and listen to that song and then watch those images. That happened after 9-11. Anybody see that after 9-11? They actually, I can't remember who did that, but they, they actually put the images of a 9-11 experience together with that song, um, which in many ways is the truth of life, I think, because in many, many ways, it's a wonderful world. There are so many good things that we get to experience in this world, but the other reality is there are hard things that happen in our life. And I think the reason we chose to do this series, Unshakable, right now, um, I think we could do Unshakable any week of the year, and there would be somebody that would need to hear that message. Um, Because in this world, one thing Jesus said, there's one thing you can know in this world, and that is you're going to face some trouble. But the reason we're doing this series is because it seems like right now is kind of a more global experience where so many of us are either experiencing the crunch of what's happening Um, with our economy around us, um, or we know people who really are. And so we just know that when when something happens that starts to shake the majority of everybody, we need to address those issues. And so we know some things. We know we'll have financial trouble. Um, We know our finances. I don't know about you. There's not one person right now, I don't think, whose finances aren't in trouble. They're letting us down. The stuff that we thought was going to help us and give us financial security are now letting us down. We'll have physical trouble. We'll have trouble with our health. Our bodies don't get better naturally. Anybody else know that? You know, I'm going to go to softball practice today, and I'm just waiting for my hammy. Sping! You know, it'll, I'll probably do it right down first base. Your bodies just don't get better. They give us troubles. They let us down. We have relational trouble. If you are going to get next to another human being, they will let you down. It's just the way it's going to be. We have car trouble. Anybody have car trouble? Somebody thought we were having a party at our house because we had four cars in our driveway. No, it was just because we were having trouble. And we were borrowing everybody else's cars uh, to try to help us get through it. Is there anything else, though, that we can know? That life is giving us trouble. Whether it's relationship or your body, the economy, it doesn't matter. Is there anything else we can know? I love this. We're in church today. Because Jesus said... Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in God. And trust also in me. See, there is only one. There is only one person who will not let us down. There is our trust in anything else, whether it's a person or the economy or everything we've talked about. If you put your trust in anything else, then it will bring you anxiety and stress and anger and depression. I was reading a book by Neil Anderson years ago, and he said many times one of our biggest frustrations as human beings is that we make goals for our life that other people can thwart. And he says when you make a goal, in fact, he gave an illustration of a a woman, a wife, who wanted her husband to be a certain way, and her goal for her life right, was that her husband would eventually be like this. And you know what she was? Depressed. Because when you make your goal in life to have somebody else be something, see, they can thwart that. Now, it might be a good desire, you know? I mean, we all have, and that was Neil Anderson's whole point. There's nothing wrong with having good desires. There's nothing wrong with desiring to have a good 401k, to have a good retirement plan, to to know that your body would be healthy and, and make it through life. Those are all great desires. But if those become your goals, 
See, then they can be wiped out. And there is only one thing, one, that you can absolutely trust in. And that's Jesus Christ. So he said, don't let your hearts be troubled, you guys. And if you walked in here and your heart is troubled, that's, I mean, that's a cool phrase. Trust in God and trust also in me. So before I jump into the passage today, I just want to pray. Because I just know that many of us in this room have troubled hearts. And it may be about the general situation in the world and the economy, or it may just be something that you're going through personally. And how cool that this morning, gathered here together, God says, when you do this, I'm there. Right now. See, this is the stuff we got to just always get ourselves out of the kind of American church thing and remind ourselves that when we gather together, gather together, God says, I'll be there. And nobody knows your heart better than him. And if you have a troubled heart today, Jesus is saying to you, don't let it be. Trust in me. So that's what we want to talk about today. So let's pray. And again, as I pray, I always ask you guys, you as well, open your heart up to God because I believe if you'll open your heart to him, if you seek after him today, you'll find him. And maybe you'll find the peace that you need today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that word to us. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in me. Trust in me. And God, I just, I feel like on behalf of everybody here, I just want to confess <laughs> that we do put our trust in other things besides you. We have put our trust in the economy. We have put our trust in the church. We have put our trust in people. We have put our trust in our body. so many things. And they all let us down eventually. Lord, you know every heart in this room. And I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ that you might help them to know how you can give them peace and help their heart to not be troubled. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we go. There's a lot we know right now about the trouble around us. It is the end of the world as we know it. And by the way, if you weren't here on time, you missed it, man. Stay around for a second service. That was awesome. I don't know how Brad got all those words out. I couldn't understand any of them, but it was amazing anyway. Um, But 2,000 years ago, There was a man whose list of troubles would definitely at least rival yours. I'm going to get to those later. And he wrote for us uh, the scripture that I'm going to share with you today. He knew he was in trouble, and yet he knew that there was something else that he could trust in, and that's what we want to look at. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians today. If you have your Bible, you could open up there. The verses as well will be up on the screen. And I'm going to start with verse 13. Here's what Paul says. He says, it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. And all of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. He says, here we go. It is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. And one of the things I just wanted to remind you of today is that's just true. See, because what you believe in your heart is actually just how you live your life. It drives your life. 
What you believe guides every decision that you make. It moves you to act on things. And when you believe certain things deeply in your heart, what you will find is that eventually it's what you speak. It's just what comes out of you. Jesus said, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And so what Paul's saying here is, I believe something too, and therefore I just got to speak it. And I was thinking about what is being spoken today? I mean, you saw some of the clips up on the newspapers. I mean, what's being spoken today are so many words of despair and so many words of desperation. And you can just tell what people are believing is the world is ending as we know it. It's crashing down around us. It is, it is falling apart. And what I'm hoping today is that we will hear some different words. Because I'm like, couldn't we instead have some words of peace? Could we have some words of hope? And here's what Paul says. He goes, with that same faith, spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And then he says this, because, why am I going to speak? Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. I love that passage because as he's going along, he says, when we believe something, we speak it. Can I just tell you something? And then Paul goes like a whole other step. He goes, because I know something. Have you ever gotten to the point where you believe something so deeply that you know it? And it doesn't really matter what anybody says. And so I, what did Paul know? He knew that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. And I, and I think about that and I go, okay, um, how did he know that? I mean, how can you and I know that? Because can I just tell you, the whole Christian faith is based on this deal right here. If Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, it's sunny and we can all go out and have a nice day today and just bag this whole church thing. But if he rose from the dead, it changes everything. And when you read Paul's writing, he's saying, man, you want hope? You want an unshakable life? Let me tell you something. I'm unshakable is what Paul says because I know that Jesus was raised from the dead. And the same one who raised him from the dead is going to do the same thing for us. You and I have an unshakable future. How did he know that? Listen to this. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1, Paul's sharing his story. He goes, well, this isn't, he's sharing his story. This is his story. He says, meanwhile, Saul, because that was his name originally, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. See, Saul was this Jewish leader, and he was like the best of the best, the cream of the crop. He was so absolutely committed to the Jewish faith that when this new sect came up, these people who followed Jesus, he was so adamant that it wasn't right and that it wasn't true, and he was murdering the followers of Christ. That was, that was his life. And then it says, he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, who were Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? The Lord asked, or Saul asked. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And he replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, all of us can read that story and go, okay, come on. Getting a little fanciful here. But 
what we realize is that the leader who was trying to destroy the movement got face to face with the one who was the leader. And Paul knew that he was dead. We crucified him, man. He was gone and dead. And on the road, he ends up face to face with the one who was dead. And so Paul can write in 2 Corinthians, can I tell you guys something? I know something. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I came in face to face with him. It was a reality. You guys, the whole reason that the church took off like wildfire with the guys who were scared and huddled inside the room because their leader was just killed. And now they're going to kill us, right? What happened? Jesus walked right through the wall and said, hey, we're good to go. And next thing you know, these men who were scared were filled with the Spirit of God and their life was completely different. They had no fear. Anybody in here want no fear? They had no fear because Jesus Christ had raised from the dead. And then he says, and not only that, but the one who raised Jesus from the dead, he's going to raise us with him. And he's going to put us in his presence. I'm telling you guys, for a long time, and I'll just, I'll just be totally honest with my open confession here too. How many of you guys actually think about heaven a lot? Okay, See, not very many of us, do we? In fact, I remember watching a, I don't know, I'd seen either a video or, a, or questions where people were asking them, like, what's the most important thing to you about following Jesus? Is it heaven that you get to go to heaven? And people are like, oh, I don't know, it's not that big of a deal. You know what? When you, and, and, and what's interesting, though, is when you follow the history of the church, when life is good, right? When your 401k is doing well and you're living in a nice home and you got a job and your kids are happy and you're in a safe neighborhood, guess what? You don't want to think about heaven. Man, this is good. I like this. Let's talk about what Jesus wants to do for me right now. And, you know, and, and I, I'll be totally honest with you. There's a big part of me that for a while the church wanted just to get to heaven and I think the church finds, so wait a second, there's a life right now to live, which is good. But you know what? We've forgotten that one of the most important things in all of life is that there's an eternity. This is not what it's all about. There is something much grander and much greater. John 14, 1, 3 says this. Go ahead and throw that up there. It's the verse I started off with today. Here's the context. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Why? Here's why. Because in my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Just in my own personal time with Jesus this week, I'm reading in Second Peter, and I got to chapter 3 of Second Peter, and he just helps us all to see, you guys, hey, just don't forget this. There will be a day when the heavens disappear, where the elements of this earth will completely be melted and the earth will be laid bare. There will be a day when the world as we know it actually will end. And he said, but this is great news because there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. And then I never heard this. I've, I've read it so many, I never saw this. A new heaven and a new earth. And then he calls it a home of righteousness. 
I read that and I just was like, oh, oh. You know what home of righteousness means? See, for some of you, you're like, righteousness, oh, great. You know, now we're going to have to follow rules and laws and I don't want to go there. No, a home of righteousness means a home where everything's right. <laughs> a home where everything works the way it's supposed to be. And that's our home, you guys. That's where we're heading some way. And Thomas, when Jesus said this, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, and here's the verse, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, how do we get there? We don't know where you're going. What's the way? I'm the way. So you need to, you need me. See, because you're like created beings down there. Your life is going to come and then it's going to go. In fact, some scriptures say it's just like a breath. It's it's like in light of eternity, our lives are like a breath. But Jesus says, I am eternal life. And so, you know, John 3.16, right? Rainbow hair dude in the end zone, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Eternal life. And I'm telling you guys, what you and I need to know right now, in the midst of this world, and if your life is shaken and everything around you and you've clung to this and now it's just disappearing, your relationship is falling apart, your money is sifting off into the wind, what are you going to hold on to? Jesus is going, hang on, guys, this is like short term. This is short-term stuff. I've got a longer deal for you. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Man, I tell you, for me... And, I'm, I, and I just need to confess, someday I'll probably have to confess to Jesus because the scriptures say no one should really want to teach because those who teach are going to be judged more strictly. I hate that verse. <laughs> um, but I know that almost in my whole ministry, what I've been trying to help people understand, and this is true because it's true, is that when you receive Christ into your life, you receive eternal life now. Now. Why? Because he says, I am the way. When you get me inside of you, I start giving you life, eternal life, now. And I feel like way too many people miss that. But what I have been missing is to remind all of us that once you have that life, that that life is just the beginning for your relationship with God for eternity. And when you have that hope, then all of a sudden, all the stuff that shakes around here can begin to change. And that's what I want to look at. So look at this. Hebrews 4, or I'm sorry. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's continue on. Paul says, okay, guys, since we know that we've got something way greater, look at this. This is one of my favorite all-time life verses. This one right there. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. 
Oh man, I love, I love this passage. Can I, just, can I just, as much as we can, if we can keep this up here. So what are the issues in this passage? Here's the issues. Outwardly, we're wasting away. In other words, this world is falling apart and outwardly, we're struggling. And even physically, some of you, our bodies are wasting away. That, that's, a, that's a struggle. And so for me, when I was uh, back when I, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but when I was back uh, in the, uh, um, I'm so sorry, I'm just distracted a little bit. Um, back when I got out of college, I was home, and many of you know this story, but I was upstairs and I was just reading the Bible, just spending my time with God, and I read that passage right there. And as I read it, I had just finished and I heard the door open downstairs and my mom walked in and she was weeping. My mom was the most joyful person I've ever known in my life. She never cried. She was a farm girl. And I went down and she's weeping and I said, Mom, what's up? And that was the moment that she found out that she had cancer. And I just remember saying, God, this is amazing to me. And my mom and I sat on the couch and I said, Mom, I, just, I feel like God just gave us a verse. Right now, I just read this while you were getting that news. We don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. My mom's body, you guys know anyone who's had cancer? It is from the pit of hell. You watch somebody struggle with that and they outwardly waste away. And even in that, inwardly, we can be renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that follows our, far outweighs them all. See, I don't know if you have cancer today or if you have a physical issue or, what you're, or if you're struggling emotionally. I don't know. But one of the things that's true is we have troubles, and that's what this thing's telling us. But why don't we lose heart? Because... We have the hope, you guys, that inwardly, no matter what's going on around us, inwardly in our heart and our spirit, we can be renewed day by day. How? Because our troubles achieve things for us. Isn't that? That's the weirdest thing to me. Our troubles are achieving for us and achieving, yeah, for us an eternal glory. And so there's all these other scriptures in the Bible that I cling to when life gets really hard. One of them is God even says to us, hey, consider, endure hardship as discipline. I'm treating you as a son. <laughs> I'm training you up so that you can share in my holiness. Another part, he says, hey, you're going to be tested and you're going to have trials. And some of you are going through it right now. You're losing your job. You don't know how you're going to support your family. You are in a trial. And he says, but the testing of your faith can develop perseverance. And eventually you will be mature and complete and you won't lack anything. See, he's talking about your heart and your soul that can go through anything in this life. He goes, we even rejoice in our sufferings because our sufferings produce perseverance and perseverance gives us character and character gives us hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us. See, so when we go through these hard things, our troubles can actually achieve for us an eternal glory, an eternal life inside of us for now and for the future. And then he says this thing, our troubles are light and momentary. And I don't know about you today, because I don't know most of you, but some of you might be sitting there and going, okay, well, that's where we can just nip it because my troubles are not light, right? Some of you are saying, the troubles I'm going through are anything but light. Can I just read for you? This is amazing to me, what Paul called his troubles light. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. 
Are they servants of Christ? He's talking about the Jewish people who are against him. I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. And I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. You know what that means? That means I'm taking you all the way, and then right before I think you're going to die, I stop. Anybody gone through that? Five times he went through that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger... I think he's in danger. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides anything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for you guys. Okay, anybody want to to rate Paul's sufferings to yours? And then he says, and can I just call them? Those are light. Are you kidding me? You know what else he says in the earlier part of this book, 2 Corinthians? He goes, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Are you there? Are you there? Are you so struggling with your trouble that it's beyond your ability to endure and that you're despairing maybe even of life? Paul says this, Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. And listen to this. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. These troubles happen so that I wouldn't rely on myself. Could it even be that your financial struggle might be the greatest blessing in the world? Oh, that's weird to say. But could it be that maybe whatever we struggle with, when we finally realize that money's not going to be our savior, that the government's not going to be our savior, that the church isn't going to be our savior, that my wife or my husband is not going to be my savior, that all of a sudden we'd stop relying on other things and begin to rely on God who raises Jesus from the dead. See, he comes back to the hope that we have for the future. Can I share with you a couple things that are interesting to me in here? He, he makes a couple contrasts. He goes, my troubles are light compared to the eternal glory. Do you know the root word in the Hebrew for glory? You know what it means? Weight or heavy. That's where the glory came from. And so I love the fact that Paul, as he's writing, he goes, man, these things are light compared to the heaviness or the glory that we're going to have. Can I just say I hate angel food cake? Anybody else hate angel food cake? I mean, what's the use of eating that stuff? I mean, it's just like fluff. It's like meringue. It's like it's in. What is that? You know, give me some cheesecake. You know, give me something that's got some substance. You know, Susan and I haven't been doing a whole, any sugar. You know, I'm telling you, when you eat light food and drink light drink, and then you eat the real thing, it's beautiful. 
I'm telling you, there is a difference between light and heavy. And what Paul is saying here, you guys, there's no comparison to the troubles that I'm going through. And listen, you guys heard his list. Those things are light compared to the weight, the heaviness of the glory that I'm going to have in heaven someday. And then he calls them momentary versus eternal. They're momentary versus eternal. My troubles come and then they go. Anybody had things you thought, I remember, anybody really thought where you were despairing of life? I don't know if you want to raise your hand. I'll raise mine on your behalf. Um, I remember laying on the floor in my apartment in California saying, I'm done. I mean, you just, and you know what? It's over. That happened. It happened. But then it, it's over. Our troubles on this life are temporary. Even if they last throughout your entire lifetime on this planet, when you die, they're over. Now, I've, I've shown this picture here before, and if you've been to my home, you've seen it. Um, I had a buddy one time who said, uh, in Michigan, if you go to the very northwest region, there are the Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes, and they're just, they're awesome. They're beautiful. And um, right on Lake Michigan. And he said, the next time you go, lick your finger, your little finger, stick it in the sand, and wipe off all the grains but one, and then hold it up and look at it. And so I had Susie do that when we were sitting there. We were just sitting there enjoying this. I'm like, oh, hey, lick your finger, stick it in the sand. And, uh, and so I did that, and, uh, and I put this up. As, uh, you asked me, are you giving me the finger? Um, no, I'm not. Uh, if you come to my house, I'm not giving you the finger. But if you, I don't know if you can see that or not, but on the very tip is the one grain of sand. And he said, next time when you think about that, he goes, that grain is your life compared to eternity. And that has so struck me. And so Susie and I, when I got the picture back and it actually turned out, I'm like, that is so cool. We immediately blew it up and we stick it on our wall to remind us to have an eternal perspective, to remind us that this life is temporary. But when we go be with Jesus in our home of righteousness, when everything is finally the way that it's meant to be, it is for eternity. And so the question therefore becomes, you guys, what do you do when you think about this? Where am I? Here I am. What do you do with this reality when you look at this? See, I think what was happening to Paul is he had like this scale in his mind. And he said, man, the temporary troubles, when I place those on, what I'm going through, and then when I think about eternity, it goes, wham! The weight of forever with God so outweighs the stuff that I'm going through right now. And I don't, you know what? That's so easy to preach. It's so hard to live. It is so hard when I'm in my trouble because tr- it's, it's called trouble. That means it's bad, right? Despairing of life means like depression. It's, it's real when you're going through it. But you and I need to know right now, if you're in your trouble, that it can be seen as light compared to the weight of eternity. And we need that. So Paul says, so what do we do? He says, when we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. We don't lose heart, you guys. We don't give up. We don't totally bag on God. We continue on because we know that we have something greater. Susie, can you throw me that real quick? I did this too a few years ago, but I love this illustration, and Susie's the one who gave it to me. Um, 
But if you, if you tried it, like if you do this, you know, you can totally balance the, the, this thing. Now, here's the point. If these are your troubles, right? Because here's what you can do. You could fix your eyes on your troubles. Fix your eyes on your money. Fix your eyes on your savings account. Fix your eyes on your job, on the person that you're struggling with, on your marriage that's, that's falling apart. Fix your eyes on those. Because here they are, right? And what, guess what happens? Ah, you can't do it. I guarantee you, you can't do it. Anybody, anybody doubt me? Okay. Well, you guys are easy. Here's the reality. The reality is, if you look at your hand where the problem is, you cannot balance this thing. It won't, you can't do it. You can't. Look what happens if you turn your eyes and you look up. A little different, huh? I love that illustration. Because some of you are now falling off the stage and running after this thing because you're trying to fix your problem. But if you look on the things that you can't see, then God says, and I will grant you an eternal peace and a hope for glory that's not in this world. Paul says, what do you guys do when you're struggling? What do you do when your life is falling apart? What do you do with all the things that are letting you down? He goes, you fix your eyes on what is unseen. And I'm telling you, when we realize and truly believe in an unshakable future, then everything around us can start to look very differently. It can finally look the way that it's supposed to be. I love Dave Elsog, who's in the other building today. He said, what happens is all of a sudden, it's like you can look straight through the problem. And you can see the light of eternity. But man, if your eyes are fixed on your issue, it's going to be anxiety. It's going to be depression. It's going to be anger. It is going to steal your life from you. But if we can lift our eyes, then things can be completely different. Let me just give you a couple more verses. He says, 2 Corinthians 5.1, he says, Now we know... (laughs) that if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And what he's really talking about is your body. And again, do you see what he's saying? Our physical lives here are what? They're a tent. (laughs) Anybody go camping? Susan and I bought this really nice new tent at Costco. You know what happened? A storm came in when we were doing our staff retreat, and it totally shredded it. I mean, literally, the poles just snapped and they ripped up the whole tent. That can happen. But it didn't happen in the building that we were sleeping in. It didn't happen there. You know, put the kids in the tent. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, but there is a what? There is an eternal building from God, an eternal house. That's where our security lies. And then the last verse is this. Therefore, no, verse 5, now... It is God who made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I'll never forget my buddy when I was in my early 20s saying, dude, you need to put some money. You need to put a deposit in this. And if you just hold on to it, 
Just rather the storm, right? You're going to gain lots of money. Anybody else do that? Yeah, we all did that. We put a deposit in. I can tell you, I got another letter from him last week, an email saying, okay, we're changing our strategy, right? Because that wasn't working anymore. And so God, though, says he's the one who says, let me put a deposit in you. And when I put my deposit in you, it guarantees what is to come. You know what his deposit is? Rejoice in your sufferings because they produce perseverance, which give you character, which gives you hope, and hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured his Holy Spirit into your heart. You know what the deposit is? It's the life of God. And once you receive the Spirit of God in your life, that's forever. And it's the only thing that is forever. And it guarantees what is to come. So, in closing, what do we do with this? How do we fix our eyes on what is seen? Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. How do we do that? I'm telling you, man, I need this thing so badly. I need God's word to me all the time. Because I have human understanding. I have limited ability to get it. And I need him to tell me what is true about him and about my life. You know what? It's weird. It's, I, was, I was even asking Susie again this morning, how, what do we really do? And the truth is, you have to set your mind. You have to dwell on the things that are true. You have to let God tell you what is right. And if you spend no time with God, then you don't give him any time to let you know how much he loves you, what he has done for you through Jesus Christ so that he can settle your heart and your mind in Jesus and give you his peace. We've got to dwell on this stuff. It's absolutely critical. But the other thing we've got to do is not just dwell on it, then you actually have to live as if it's true. <laughs> you have to take some steps on this thing. Second Peter, where I was reading this week, said this, in keeping with his promise, God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind, okay, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote us. So I can tell you this. If you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, then you haven't yet received the eternal life that God has for you that guarantees no matter what happens in here and in this world, you've got something greater. And if you have received the deposit, have you just kind of set it off to the side? Or are you fixing your eyes on it? Are you putting your hope in it? Do you believe with all of your heart that this one little grain is your life compared to where you're going to spend eternity. And once you realize that, you can go, okay, these troubles are light and momentary compared to the surpassing glory that far outweighs them all. So, Ben, why don't you guys come on up and let's pray. Father, I just want to personally thank you for the reminder this week that my life is short 
that my life is temporary, that the struggles I go through, even those that are temporary, you work in them, they achieve for us eternal glory. God, I just want to pray for every heart in here who does not have peace and whose heart is troubled for whatever they're struggling with. And I just ask that you might remind them today that I'm with you. If you've received me, I am with you. I'm going to walk through this with you and then I'm going to take you home. Thank you, God, that we have an unshakable future that we do not live for this world. We live in it for you. But we have a purpose that's for eternity. And I just want to thank you for that reminder today in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we close, um, we are going to take our offering, which again is a great way that you show that you live for eternity because you don't use your finances for temporary stuff. You, you, you give it to God so that he can do eternal stuff with it. If you're, if you're ready to do that today, then continue to just to bless him and, and allow him to bless others through the church by your offering. And uh, Brad's going to lead us through a song. And I'm just, let me just read a few of these words before he sings. He says, I walk the lonely streets where the buildings look down on me. My shadow's casting doubt on all that I do. And I'm worn out from crying. I'm so tired of fighting. In a world that's so far from home, my heart is still beating, my mind is still dreaming of the better days to come. And here's the chorus. I'm going to leave it behind. No more tears. No more crying for me. Someday I'll fly so far away. Run into your arms. Meet your embrace. I can't wait until that day when I stand before you face to face. The things that are hollow don't fill me anymore. Take all that I have because it's already yours. And you take my life and you give me hope that these days that I fear cannot change what I know. You give and you give and you love and you love and you've taken my fears away.